If you're over seven years old and you're not doing what this kid is doing, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't recommend it. Because I'll never forget when Fox Five News came to my high school in 2011 to give an assembly. The reporter held up a twenty-dollar bill in front of a thousand kids and said, "Who wants this? Who wants this?" And nobody. Everyone was like clapping, cheering, "Give it to me!" Right? And this one dude got out of his seat and ran towards the twenty-dollar bill and just snatched it. And that, that's left. That's left an impression on me for life. Right. Hi, and welcome to the In the Neighborhood podcast. This is your host, Nate. It's your other host, Sid. And uh, we wanted to thank you guys for, you know, joining the In the Neighborhood podcast family or joining our neighborhood, you know. And, uh, you know, we're happy that you're here. So thanks for listening. Here we go. All right. So uh, welcome to the first of the In the Neighborhood podcast. Uh, we really appreciate your listening and support. Um, so for our first podcast, we will be interviewing uh, Michael, who recently finished his PhD in biochemistry from Harvard University in March 2020. Uh, we'll be talking to him about how he got interested in chemistry and also getting into Harvard, you know, his research interests and uh, what he thinks he'll be doing in the future. So uh, we hope this conversation can help others with similar interests. And uh, here we go. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks for being here, Mike. And, uh, thanks for having me, Sid. Yeah. 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 I just want to say that um, part of my sponsorship today comes from uh, coffee, <laughs> yeah. house blend, dark roast. You want to use this to make your cold brew. Um, so, yeah. so, so the quarantine um, has has obviously uh, changed like what your day to day looks like. So, what kinds of things have you been doing to like keep yourself busy? You know, I got into the uh, little bit of the uh, reading business. I got a little bit into the video game business and I was tutoring. So have you tutored on interesting clients? Yesterday I had a seven-year-old. Oh, how'd that go? A... Wait, seven? Jeez. He was seven years old. Yep. And, and he's, he's taking what type of chemistry? In organic chemistry. Yeah, he's already read 110 pages of his organic chemistry textbook. And oh. what he needs is... A model kit and he got I told him on to get him a model kit he got these uh ball and stick models here okay practice here's this molecule we made together Dang. and I, I'm gonna say if you're seven years old and you like orgo at that age then you should go to grad school that's All that's right. the cut that's my cutoff that's your cutoff dude yeah. Yeah. if you're <laughs> over seven years old and you're not doing what this kid is doing, I don't recommend that for you. <laughs> All right. I just don't, I just don't recommend it. Yeah. What types of video games are you getting into? Well, the thing that's very unattractive is I got into the flight simulating games. And so I bought a whole like pilot yoke system, which you can see over there. Oh, okay. You kind of see the yoke. There's also some rudder pedals. Hmm. And it takes up a ton of space. What was it that, got you hooked on the sciences and specifically in chemistry yeah so the parents got me those softwares those jump start science fifth grade and 
the science games were always the most fun. That's, that's what, that's what really got me. And then, you know, the, that, the stereotypical chemistry set. Yeah. Turn the garage into what looked like a meth lab, you know, the, the normal, the usual. It must've been a, quite an experience. So getting back to, um, the sciences in your career path. So you, you had a natural inclination towards like experimentation, you would say. Yeah. I like to see, I like to see how things, you know, work that you don't necessarily have access to on a day-to-day basis. So all these things, all these properties exist, but you don't get to see them unless you, you know, get the materials that you need. So that's what, that's what I like. I like the fact that our civilization can prepare purified compounds for you to play with. That's, that's incredible, right? We're not, we're not mining. I could just order potassium permanganate. You know, I don't have to go and make it and smelt it myself. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I find amazing about our modern day era. Um, I wanted to ask about um, like teaching is really important to you. It seems like Um, you mentioned you, you still tutor. Um, I see in 2018, you received um, the Dudley Hirschback Teaching Award. Um, How did you know about that? I, I tend to do a little bit of research um, in, in my free time. but I see. So, so that's why I got a view on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, Sid, so, Sid does his research. Yeah. And, and this, this was a Nobel laureate, um, and he, he called his introductory undergrad course one of the most challenging assignments, and, and you and another gentleman seemed to have won an award from, from him, um, and that's great. I know you won a lot of uh, teaching awards at the University of Maryland, too, um, and you, you tutor on the side. Talk about why you choose to go out of your way to teach others, and like what have you gained from that? And, yeah. um, recommend that to other people in the PhD pro- program or and, and yeah others. so in my school if you had a fellow if you had a fellowship or any financial support and you taught you could get a salary boost and oh. addition on top of that there was uh, teaching that was required by the program so I did teaching because it was required by the program but primarily because you get this fantastic salary boost and so the salary boost was the reason that I taught in graduate school. And in fact, for that award, that award came with a cash prize of $500. There you go. <laughs> so you're driven by money, I see. Okay. When, I, when I heard about that award, uh, I actually asked to be nominated. I asked to be nominated for that award yeah, to, to actually get it. And that's how I got it. Because okay. I'll never forget when Fox 5 News came to my high school in 2011 to give an assembly. The reporter held up a $20 bill in front of a thousand kids and said, who wants this? Who wants this? And nobody said, everyone was like clapping, cheering, give it to me, right? And this one dude got out of his seat and ran towards the $20 bill and just <laughs> snatched it. And that, that's, left, that's left an impression on me for life. Right. In all seriousness, this I, I get the sense that it's more than just the monetary reward um, that you do this teaching, right? I, I, no. I hope so. So I didn't teach when I wasn't offered a salary boost. Uh, it's only fortunate. I call it a side effect, a, a positive side effect that I like teaching. I but see. I wouldn't do it if I weren't paid for it. So you, you're saying that you got into 
would you also say you got into grad school for the money or like for the high earnings and stuff? I don't think I would do grad school if I wasn't paid for it. If I had to pay to do grad school, I wouldn't do it. Okay. So let's get to like uh, more like the college stuff. Like, so when you were in your undergrad, like, you know, like, can you ever sort of like what you studied, what you do in undergrad? I feel like a lot of people maybe that will listen to this will like eventually want to go and do grad school. So yeah. Like, how did you prepare yourself to get into grad school? Yeah. Month one in, in Mar- I went to the University of Maryland. Month one, I was emailing professors to join their labs. I wanted to just get inside a lab. Yeah. And a lot of professors, including this guy, said that I should take a semester, I should take a semester of just classes and then join the next year. Yeah. Uh, or the, ne- yeah, the next academic year. So they, they wanted you to, like, delay it. They wanted me to delay it. So, you know, I was like, all right, I'm not joining your lab then. Um, But I did delay it. And then I joined uh, an organic chemist lab. And it turns out just by luck, just by sheer luck, that this guy was really good at working with undergrads. So it really actually, I would say, boils down to a lot of chance. Uh, You got to be lucky in who you pick. You got to be lucky and pick someone who's going to care about undergrads, who's going to care about mentoring you. Because you could join a lab that they don't care. So I joined the lab and the, the advisor did care about undergrads and that put me in a really good position to do research and uh, to go to uh, grad school. And I would say also look for individual research, avoid team research. You know, research is a collaborative thing, but avoid team research. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Situations as much as possible. And, yeah. and you talked about the importance of picking mentors with, uh, interests in undergraduates is that something like how would you identify that for our listeners is that a characteristic that um, undergraduate listening to this should pursue or and how would they do that so I remember getting a walkthrough with uh, my advisor at Maryland and the first day he told me about how he was leading several initiatives to get to recruit more undergrads in his lab but what that really did was it resonated with me because he actually, it, see, it actually felt like he cared, especially undergrads, people who may not offer the best return on his time investment. Uh, so that's what, that's what I remember. The, doing the walkthrough in his lab, he actually mentioned that to me. And uh, I guess it made a difference uh, because uh, I remembered it. So, so you did a lot of research in um, your undergrad years with, with this mentor and that pre- prepared you for applying to PhD programs? I'd say like the number one thing that gets you into PhD programs is if you've done research before, right? You could, you don't have to have a great GPA, great test scores. In fact, a lot of schools don't even take the GRE anymore, which is a test that I took to get into grad schools. So I think that if they, if you, if they see that you've demonstrated success or membership in a research organization, uh, they will, that will be the most promising thing for you on your graduate school applications. So how many uh, years are, so you ended up doing like three years or three and a half or something? Like yeah, I stayed in the same lab for three years at okay. Maryland. And, and then you work, do you work on like the same project the whole time? Or were you doing like sort of like various projects throughout? Um, I, for the most part, worked on the same project for a year. Okay. And I had people telling me, that you know, I was taking way too long. But of course, these were graduate students. I was like trying to learn the ropes, and it took me a year to figure out what I was doing and try to get my work out. Uh, so I actually, was 
lucky enough to get something that worked and even luckier to have someone basically help me uh, develop it rather than having that person take it for themselves, right. yeah. which is something that, uh, that you'll often see in many labs. What's one or two things that the person, the researcher should take away from that experience that that's going to serve them well, whether they go into PhD or industry or whatever, like what's something that they should sort of take away from that? I would say learn to work with others, like learn how to work with other people because that will serve you well in any field regardless. And also learn how to not waste your time, learn how to use your time effectively. If you're there and you don't care about what you're doing, you're there for another reason. It doesn't make any sense to be there. Yeah. Uh, and you'll get the most return from your investment if you're passionate about it. And so you recently finished your um, PhD. Congratulations, by the way. Um, what has been like the most uh, surprising thing about this process? Like, that you just didn't expect at all? Um, and what's, what's been like, I guess, the best part of it? Well, you know, if you believe in a God, I, I think that, so I believe in God. And I think that God didn't want me to leave graduate school because as soon as I finished my PhD, <laughs> the, whole, the, the whole world sort of closed down, shut down, and yeah. is at a standstill currently, you know, as we speak. So, yeah. It's sort of weird having finished and then not being able to do anything. But, you know, hopefully that will change soon. It is, it is not a problem that is unique to me, obviously, and it is affecting everybody in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we all can relate. <laughs> um, but wait, was there anything during the five or six or five years that you, you were there that you just you didn't see this coming at all. Like, was there something that was really shocking to you? Yeah, I, I have been surprised by the lack of humanity in some people, the total lack of compassion for other people's, you know, well-being, emotional well-being, um, uh, in exchange for sort of academic rewards. Yeah. I've definitely seen that. And probably like and that's, incremental, that's the right? That's shocking. Not even like big academic reward. It's like kind of like a little thing just to get a little bit ahead, right? Well, yes, even for the slightest things, I would say that that's been my, you know, the biggest shock I've seen. Yeah, so you want to stick up for your interests because nobody will care about you. Right. you know, hopefully that's not true, but you, should, you shouldn't expect that people will care about what's in your best interest in graduate school. And there's, no, there's not as much hand-holding as you see in undergraduate. Can you uh, talk a little bit about the relationship you have with your advisor, like throughout this whole process? Yeah, my advisor is very, was very much of a human being, which has helped me out a lot. So a lot of advisors probably wouldn't put up with my sarcastic and joking and half serious personality. Yeah. But I was fortunate to have found one that did. Uh, and so that personality compatibility is good. Did you originally want to work for him? Or were you like working for, you're trying to work for other people? I, I rotated, we had rotations at Harvard. So I did a rotation in his lab yeah. and I actually was very, uh, very impressed by the quality of people's lives in the lab and the, and the culture in the lab. And that's actually what drew me to that lab at more than the research, I would say more than the research. So even though some professors drew me to the school, at the end of the day, I chose a lab based on the culture. 
Yeah. Not so much the research. I was willing to learn, you know, if they're at Harvard, they might, they're probably doing something important, you know, and the same goes for any school. If they're at the, if they're in the position of being like the head a of the lab, yeah. they're probably, and they're, and they're established, they're probably, you know, uh, meant to be doing something important. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about joining a lab that was not doing something important. So before, uh, like the, the COVID-19, before that happened, dude, what was like the plan? Like, what were you going to work on? I won't say the company's name, but like you were going to go into like sort of a large pharmaceutical company. And uh, what was like your plan in terms of like, what were you going to work on when you got there? Yeah, so I was going to be a chemist at the bench, just kind of like in grad school, making yeah. molecules uh, to treat uh, human diseases. Okay. I'm like, very happy with, with yeah, the field okay. I chose in there terms you. of antibiotics. Okay. So I chose a field of research in antibiotic discovery and development. Yeah. And you don't see much work being done on that. Um, and so because a, a lot of antibiotics are not profitable. Uh, in, and so industries have backed out. There's just not a good way to make a good business model out of antibiotics for many antibiotics. Uh, so I got, I, I like the, uh, the opportunity to see that. Do you think that in light of um, the coronavirus pandemic, um, a lot of focus has been towards antivirals and antibiotics? Um, do you think that's gonna change? Unfortunately, I think a lot of the focus that's drawn to antibiotics from the coronavirus pandemic has been the result of not knowing what an antibiotic is as opposed to an antiviral. But I think that there will be a, a focus towards antivirals. A lot of the patients with coronavirus, I, I read they succumb to bacterial infections too. So, I mean, I don't know. Perhaps if you get shot in the brain and the heart at the same time, which which bullet is the one that killed you? Maybe that's what's going on. How do you know if it was the corona that killed you or whether it was the bacteria? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to know what it was, but a lot of these deaths are always because you have multiple bullets in you at the same time. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't actually know. Were there any, um, so before I conclude here, um, what's like, what's like the best piece of advice you've ever received? And like, what would you like impart to people that want to pursue a path like yours? That's a really good question. Um, I'd say, um, don't waste any time, right? The, I, I think for my case, uh, people will say that sometimes I've rushed things. I try to move too fast. I try to push people too fast or too hard, uh, including my coworkers in terms of projects to move faster. And sometimes uh, it comes across as being rushed. And so you want to take a good time. You want to do a good job, but you, you, do, you definitely want to do stuff in a, in a timely fashion because you never know when the world will shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can't go back to lab. All right, Mike, uh, thanks for being on. Uh, this was the In the Neighborhood podcast with your hosts, Sid and Nate, and guest, Mike. Mike. All right, thank you.
Hey, how's it going guys? Uh, if you like the video, uh, please drop a like below and also subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're planning to have a new podcast every Monday at 8pm and a new Christie's Cooking Show with Christy every Wednesday at 8pm as well.